What's going on, guys? Welcome back to the Cold Seat Podcast, where the seats are cold, but the takes are hot. Today, we have a lot to talk about, and particularly in the March Madness and NFL free agency aspect, we're going to skip over or talk a little less about some other things that didn't weren't as quite relevant this week. Yeah, a jam-packed episode today. A lot happened in NFL free agency the past few days. We're recording day of posting of this podcast on Thursday morning. That way we can get you guys the latest updates as they come in today. Could get a Deshaun Watson trade while we're recording. We'll see. Um, a lot of March Madness stuff. March Madness is actually starting right about now. Uh, like like Brett said, jam-packed episode. Going to kind of go briefly over some other stuff that we usually cover a little more in depth. Um, but yeah, Brett, if you want to get us started with golf this weekend, the Players' Championship is this weekend. Pretty big tournament. Yeah, it's probably the biggest non-major we have in the year for the PGA Tour. Um the Australian won it, Cameron Smith. He won the players at 13-under. He had 10 birdies in the final round that really earned himself the win, and he got $3.6 million just from that tournament. Uh, the guy I picked, if you all listened last week, Max Homa, he finished tied for 13th at 6-under. Um, he still won like 333000 I think, though, so it's still pretty nice. But uh, this upcoming weekend, we have the Valspar Championship, and we've actually already had the first round. And through one round, Jonathan Vegas is in the lead at 6-under, who he's been up and coming, and I could see him winning one here in the next few months. Um, but that's pretty much it for golf. Nothing new. We have the Masters coming up in a few weeks. Um, we have the Waste, or sorry, we have the the Dell Match Play coming up here in Austin next week and that's pretty much it so we got a couple things to touch on some big news from mlb brady that's finally we're finally getting a season here yeah and hopefully can play a full season yeah spring spring training games will start today on thursday uh and then they'll go basically all the way up till opening day on april 7th i believe the last spring training game is probably the fifth or the sixth i think they butted it up pretty close to the regular season this year do the lockout um couple big contract news yesterday that broke early in the day. Chris Bryant signed a seven-year, $182 million deal with the Rockies. A little bit surprising since they just traded Nolan Arenado and didn't pay Trevor Story two top-flight infielders, and then they went and signed another one to a massive contract. A little confusing, but um, nevertheless, a good contract for Chris. Really good player, goes to the Rockies. He can kind of do it all, play outfield, play infield. Um, really good batter, so good signing for them, and then Dodgers made a splash move last night late. It was roughly 11 p.m. when it came through. I was up doing some some homework. But Freddie Freeman sounds with the Dodgers six years, $162 million. Uh, I was amped, man. I was excited. That, that lineup's going to be scary next year, um, even without the DH. But now that we get the DH, uh, the universal DH this year, lineup's going to be scary. Really excited for it. Um, can't wait to watch their spring training game tomorrow, their first one. Excited to see couple guys hit, a couple guys bat. Um, curious to see what the lineup will be. I think it'll be uh, scary this year uh, for teams. So really looking forward to it. Um, any any Anything else you got on base? Any Orioles news? Yeah, not much for the Orioles. Um, I want them to make signing here soon. Correa's still technically out there. Hey, they made an offer. They're interested. They did. They did. Um, and they got Danny Duffy, which is a solid pickup. Yep. So they're, they're pitching – and hitting, I mean, everything should be better this year. Um, opening day here in the next few weeks. 
and we'll see how they do. I mean, I think the Orioles just have to start out pretty well. They normally do, though, and once they get some momentum, I think that's where they'll start playing better as long as they know they're not worst in the league again. Yeah. But, um, yeah, that's pretty much it for MLB. We just wanted to touch on a few free agent signings and just give the big announcement that the season is starting and that the lockout has ended. Um, as for college baseball, we have some news as Ole Miss took over the number one spot this week and Texas dropped as they lost three straight. They lost two to South Carolina in a doubleheader, and they lost one to Charleston College last week. And when you lose three games in a week, especially ranked number one, you're bound to drop a few spots, and that's exactly what happened. Yeah, it's interesting. They looked really dominant to start the year against a couple cupcake opponents, which every college baseball team has cupcake opponents to start the year. Mm-hmm. They lost a game to Texas State in a midweek series. Always a rivalry. Texas State always plays up when they play them. Um, kind of crumbling lately. It's it's a little surprising. Um, I know they had a pitcher get hurt. I don't believe it was one of their two top starters. I believe it was their third starter. Still a really good pitcher. Mm-hmm. That'll hurt them. Um, so we'll see if they can rally. I think they will. They're very talented. Probably the, the deepest roster one of, if not the deepest rosters in college baseball. So they'll recover. Um, and then we'll kind of shift to Tech Baseball, another really deep roster. They had a good week. Stayed 17 in the rankings and uh, swept a three-game series against Rice as well as sweeping uh, New Mexico in a midweek series this week. If you want to touch on that before they before we get to Iowa next, this weekend and then Big 12 tournament or Big 12 play, rather, opens uh, the week after. Yeah, I think... Tech going five and zero this week, or technically two and zero so far. But staying at seventeen was a little surprising, and a lot of the teams that they could have the potential of jumping, maybe like between ten and seventeen, didn't really lose this week, so they didn't really have an opportunity to jump up in the rankings. Still early in the season, we don't even have Big Twelve play or conference play across the country starting yet, so the rankings don't mean a whole lot. Um, but yeah, like Brady said, they travel to Iowa. That should be a really good series. I was okay this year. They've dropped a couple games to some teams that they shouldn't have, so I wouldn't. I would expect us to sweep, but I wouldn't be shocked if we lost one game. I thought when the season was kicking off that if we went into conference play, which is after the Iowa series, with four losses, we'd be in a pretty good spot, and we have three right now. So if we drop one Iowa, it's not the end of the world. Um, we'll have a winning record in conference play, and. Should be just fine there. I was a little disappointed, though. A um, couple hitters kind of got cold, even though we did have 28 runs in our game Tuesday versus New Mexico. <laughs> um, I mean, the starters didn't play past the third inning, basically. Um, but Dylan Carter and who was it? Hudson White has yeah. become really reliable, especially in the past week or so. I think he, went, he had like five hits in the New Mexico series. Like I said, Dylan Carter, I think, He's had a lot of strikeouts. I think he had seven strikeouts in the two games versus New Mexico. And I don't know what it is. I guess we have to be there, and it has to be in Lubbock. But other than that, he can't really get any consistent production in no matter where he's he's hitting leadoff. uh, Nine hole, kind of disappointed with his consistency. But I think the roster will come around. They'll keep... Get building chemistry and Parker's playing pretty consistent. I think they will the bats will get going more consistently here when we get conference play kicked off. 
Yeah, I think uh, I know. I saw on Twitter the other day. I think Carter's got some personal life stuff going. I think he had a buddy of his. Yeah. Um, pass. So I'm hoping that that uh, you know hasn't isn't weighing on him too much. I'm I'm sure that that's not making it easier for him to hit at the plate. Um, but yeah, I think he's like you said. I think he hit the nail on the head. The roster's going to come around. The bats will get around once they start seeing some higher quality pitching. I think um, it doesn't always help when you're seeing balls all the time and you're not getting a lot of strikes thrown at you. So I think, especially Jace, Jace will start getting some actual pitchers pitching to him. I think he'll get some balls in the strike zone and mm-hmm. be able to start swinging the bat a little bit. Um, kind of shift here to NBA as we get along in the pod. Like I said, jam packed episode. I want to get want to make sure we touch on March Madison and free agency. Um, in fact, just had a little bit of a. I wouldn't call this breaking news. I would say this is a substantial signing. The Falcons just signed former All-Pro cornerback Casey Hayward to a two-year, $11 million deal. Um, interesting considering I didn't think they'd make any moves until Deshaun was final. His decision was finalized, but good sign for them. Thought he'd be in Indianapolis with Gus Bradley, but um, just saw that come through. Figured we'd touch on that right quick. But we'll get back into the NBA. Um, Miami still leads in the East by a couple games, uh, followed by the Bucks, Sixers, Boston, and Chicago. Brooklyn's been on a tear lately. I think they lost last night. Buzzer beater from Spencer Dinwiddie in Brooklyn. Mats beat him. Uh, Luca and KD were kind of going at it all game. Really, I mean, just a classic regular season battle. Um, I think Brooklyn's going to get start getting up in the rankings a little bit. KD's kind of reminds me of that 2018 Cavs team when LeBron just put him on his back and. Yeah. Carried him to the playoffs. I think with Katie's about to do the same thing here. Um, out in the West, Phoenix still leads by eight games. I don't think anyone's going to catch Phoenix in the regular season. Uh, Grizzlies, Warriors, Jazz, and the Mavs make up that kind of that second pack, chasing at each other's heels. Um, we'll see how that that playoff picture rounds out. Uh, I I could not tell you who I'm picking out of the West right now. I think I'm still picking Brooklyn out of the East. I couldn't give you any sort of indication on who the, who's going to come out of the West. It's yeah, it's crazy out there. The Suns are kind of consistently in that eight-game range where they're ahead of the rest of the West. But I'd say pretty much from that two seed to that ten seed, it's all within 12 games or so, and I feel like down the stretch here we could really see some movement from teams either up or down the rankings. Um, But as for my team, the Spurs, the head coach Greg Popovich, he is now the NBA's all-time winningest coach. He passed Don Nelson's record last week, and he currently sits two wins ahead of him at 1,337 total wins, which is pretty impressive um, how consistent, really, except these past three years since Kawhi left. I still say that is the reason that we're not still getting 50 wins each each year because we kind of had that surprisingly, but I think we'll turn it around next year, and it's just really impressive that a coach that we've been able to watch is now the most successful NBA head coach of all time. Um, that's pretty much it that we have for the NBA. Next year we'll probably start touching on potential playoff mat, or next week we'll probably start touching on potential playoff matchups. Um, but as for college basketball, um, big three weeks here coming up with the bracket uh, March Madness tournament. Uh, we'll start with Tech basketball. Um, they. The brackets came out this past Sunday, and they were a announced as a three seed, and they will be playing 14 seed Montana State in the West region. Uh, they will play in San Diego tomorrow at 10:45 local time in San Diego. Um, if they win that, then they will play the winner of Alabama or Notre Dame on Sunday 
And then the winner of that game will clinch a berth to the Sweet 16 next weekend. Yeah, uh, Tech looked good in the Big 12 tournament, I thought. Uh, they rolled Iowa State, who I think is maybe the worst team in the Big 12 right now. They looked awful the past few weeks. Good to see them roll on the road. Um, looked like they were going to give another one away against Oklahoma. They didn't, which I was glad to see that they kind of battled back um, and won a game where it looked like they were going to give it away. Uh, and then they played Kansas, and they actually it was a really good game up until about the last 10 minutes. I guess you call it the fourth quarter because there's no quarters in college basketball, but it, technically it's the fourth quarter. Um, that last 10 minutes of the game kind of just fell apart offensively. Um, they were actually doing a great job of, of kind of shot for shot going with Kansas. And uh, they, I mean, they had a lead with, what well, was it, about 12 minutes to go. They took the lead by a couple points, and they just could never seem to get get back in front of Kansas at the, after that point. Like I said, the offense kind of fell apart. It's kind of been the Achilles heel of that team this year. Uh, even when they played Texas in Lubbock and then Texas in Austin, they had that little offensive dry spell in the second half. Uh, that's kind of been, like I said, it's been their Achilles heel. I'm hoping they don't have to deal with that. I'm hoping they've gotten, they've gotten that out of their system. It really seems like they've taken a lot from that loss based upon press conferences. The way Coach Adams has spoke about it, they've, it feels like they've taken that loss a lot more to heart than others. So I'm hoping they've kind of realized like it's time to get right and it's time to get going. Um, I think they're a really scary team come March Madness, and we'll talk about it here in a little bit with um, some matchups that we have in our brackets. So we'll kind of get into the meat of the episode here. But the reason they're so scary, in my opinion, is they have we've said it before. You get you get 17 a night from anybody on that roster almost. I think I think they've had. I, I don't know the stat. I'd have to look it up. Wouldn't surprise me if they lead the league, if they lead the nation in number of players in you know scoring over 15 points at least twice. Mm-hmm. Um, everyone on, the, on that team is a bucket, some more than others, like Bryson or, or Davion. Um, but I'll say this: T.J. Shannon looks the healthiest he's looked since since Tennessee, and he put the squad on his back in that Tennessee game. Granted, the offense was f- sputtered for that entire second half and overtime, just like Tennessee's did. But he put the squad in his back in that game, and if we get that TJ come March Madness, it's gonna be a run. Like it's, they're gonna they're gonna make a deep run because when he when he plays like that, and he's I think he's just playing smarter basketball, honestly. And I love to see it. I love TJ. Um, I know you have different feelings sometimes about this shot selection, and I agree with you. But yeah. but he's um, if we can get this TJ, and I thought they should have fed TJ in that Kansas game. Um, he was on he was on one. He was on a heater. He was feeling himself that night, and so. Um, I think you just kind of let him let him go, but I'm glad Bryson got the cold game out of his system because he was kind of he was off in that second half against Kansas, and um, if that's the one game Bryson's going to be cold, I'm cool with that because it means Bryson's going to be on one the next the next hopefully the next six games, hopefully they go all the way and they and they go to Nola and they, and they take it home in New Orleans and cut down the nets. Um, do I think that's that's realistic? Maybe not. They did get a tough one draw, um, but we'll get into that. Get get into that all that stuff in a minute. I don't want to take away from the whole March Madness conversation as a whole, but I think the healthiest the healthiest the roster has been all year. Just having in our notes is one hundred percent true. That the, the roster has not looked better. Bacho's healthy. TJ's healthy. Kev's heavy. Hel- heavy healthy. <laughs> um, they're all getting right at the right time, and uh, I'm really looking forward to. It. I'm excited. As frustrated as tech basketball makes me sometimes when I'm watching it, yeah, I get way too frustrated sometimes. Uh, but I'm really excited. I think it's gonna be really fun. Uh, I think this team's different than the team last year. 
it's definitely exciting. I think, like you said, TJ has been a lot better. Has made a lot more, a lot smarter decisions um, down the stretch in games. I think off ball, he's been better with his decisions, his passing, his drives, his shot selection, really anything, and that's been really beneficial. But now it's win or go home, and for a lot of guys on this team, it's win or your basketball career is over. So I think this is where the team really has to dig deep and think, okay, what are we going to do? How are we going to win? And how are we going to keep this thing rolling? Because win or not, your season's over in three weeks. So you got to make the most of it. And it's going to be hard. It's going to be a dogfight. There's 64 teams remaining that all want a piece at everyone. And that's the beauty of college basketball is you bring all the conferences together put them all up against each other, and at the end you have one winner. And regardless of who it is, it's going to be the team that was the hottest and that made the fewest mistakes, not necessarily the best team. I agree 100%. I I think if we're talking about the best team, um, and I guess we can kind of get into our March Madness talk a little bit here. We'll start it off with this. I think you're 100% right. hit the nail on the head. It's never the best. It's, it's It's like any championship outside of college football, I think. It's the it's whatever team gets the hottest at the right time. Um, I mean, if we're talking just the most talented team in the country, shoot, we're looking at healthy. We're looking at Baylor and Kentucky, and you know what I mean. But that those aren't, I don't think those are gonna be the teams that win. Um, I think I mean I've picked some upsets of teams that are just super hot that I've picked to go a long way because they're really hot, and I think that's um that's the name of the game in March Madness. Uh, I guess I'll kind of. I guess we'll talk about some of our favorite matchups in the first round. Um, I'll go ahead and go first. I'm really, really looking forward to seeing who kind of prevails in the Texas-Virginia Tech matchup. Yeah, it's a matchup I really like. Virginia Tech, I think them or Iowa, it might be the hottest team in the country, just coming off those huge conference tournament wins. Um, Virginia Tech kind of came out of nowhere, but uh, they looked really good against Duke. Granted, I'm a little lower on Duke than most, but they are. They looked really good against Duke in the, in the ACC final. Um, they're hot. I think Texas is cold. They looked really bad against TCU in that opening round of the Big 12 tournament. Um, I mean, shoot, you even saw in the broadcast, you saw Courtney Ramey's reaction to their to their Virginia Tech draw, and he was like, oh. like I don't, his, his reaction was like, oh, man, like, this is rough. Um you know, most guys are clapping, getting up, clapping. Other than Bryson Williams with a tech one, sitting there munching on food. Respect for the big guy. Of course. But, no, I think I think Courtney Ramey's reaction said it best. Man, that's a tough draw. I don't think anybody wants to see that team right now. Yeah, I don't. That's definitely worst-case scenario for UT. Um, I'm going to take the easy route and pick an A versus 9 matchup. I think North Carolina Marquette will be a really, really good game. I, I'm, bet, I'm betting on Shaka. I'm taking Shaka, man. He has, he has been hot recently, but North Carolina had that win over Duke, and they lost to Virginia Tech, but you can't blame him too much there. Um, and another matchup I like is the – what is it? Iowa versus Richmond. I think Richmond has played well recently, and while many people have Iowa going pretty far, probably most – I'd say most would say – have Iowa going to the Sweet 16, at least. I think Richmond's playing well, and 
I think they could give Iowa a good fight. Yeah, no, definitely. I think Iowa's one of the teams that's hot, and I could see Iowa either losing in the first round here, or I could see Iowa making a run to New Orleans potentially. It's a tough side of the bracket, I think. But, again, they're hot. And if they can get rolling here and it starts with Richmond, if they can beat them and beat them well, I think that, that really builds the confidence that, hey, we can do this thing. We're legit. It wasn't just a fluke in the Big, in the Big Ten tournament. Let's go to get this thing rolling. Um, so I think that's a, that's a really good matchup there. A one-off pick, uh, big upset, 13 versus 4, is uh, the four-seeded Providence Friars versus the 13-seeded South Dakota State Jackrabbits. I've picked South Dakota, and in fact, I think I believe in my in my cold seat bracket. I believe I picked South Dakota State. I did over Providence. Couple reasons: one, South Dakota State's been a really good team this year. They're thirty and four. Um, it's hard to win thirty games in college basketball, regardless of what conference you're in. It's about the consistency, and I can I can absolutely respect that from the South Dakota State Jackrabbits. Um, I believe it. I believe they're in the Summit League. Yeah, the Summit League. They have won an NCAA tournament game every year for, I believe, the past, ooh, I want to say six-ish years. Um, so I'm going to pick them to upset the Friars. I, Providence has been a team that was really hot early, and they've cooled off recently, I feel like. Um, they've got a great home court, similar to Lubbock. The dunk is just electric. Uh, actually, Tech lost a close one there earlier this year. I had a feeling after after watching the game, I said Providence is gonna be really good this year. They're gonna be a, they're gonna make the tournament and be a top five seed. And sure enough, here we are in March with them as a four seed. Um, the Big East is really good this year too. I think that gets overshadowed. I think I think we talked about earlier. Creighton could give Kansas if Creighton can get out of their first round matchup with San Diego State, which I think they're going to. They could give can they could give Kansas eventually um, a run for their money in that in that round of thirty two game. I really think they could. Just Creighton's really good at Big East teams. They're battle-tested this year. Yeah. But like I said, I think I think Providence is kind of, like I said, similar to Texas Tech, really good defense, offensive woes at times. And I think South Dakota State could take advantage of that. Um, I would love to see the 13 seed win. That would be awesome. Um, so I'll pick that as my, my big upset matchup here early on. Yeah, definitely a lot of, as you all know, a lot of different outcomes that can come within the first really any round, but especially in these first couple rounds where there's normally in the matchups a big discrepancy in talent. Um, I'm, I made a lot of brackets. I think I made about a dozen or so um, with 12 different teams winning. So hopefully one of those will be pretty good. But it's always exciting getting to watch all the teams go against each other and not just watching the same teams in the same conference play each other day in and day out. Um, so definitely the most exciting time of the year, especially with what's going on in the NFL. And really these past nine days or so, and probably these this next week will be jam-packed with a bunch of players and free agents going and choosing different teams, whether it be fit or contract or revenge, what have you. Players are choosing spots that they think are the best for them. And both of us being big fans and having our own team, it's been very exciting, especially for us, to see this kind of past week and see how the new NFL really is shaping up. Before we get into NFL free agency, before we get real deep into it, 
Who's your natty pick? Give me your final. Give me your. Give me your natty pick in in your in winning this bracket. I have Kentucky winning, mm-hmm. and I have them beating. Let's see. I have Kentucky Gonzaga, and I have Kentucky winning that. And then I have Tennessee Kansas, and I have Tennessee winning that. So I have an SEC rematch for the national championship between Kentucky and Tennessee. Most definitely a hot Tennessee getting there is a hot take. I have Kentucky winning 75-71. to 71. All right. I got um, Gonzaga, Kentucky again, like you, uh, in the in the Final Four first in the matchup on April 2nd. And the matchup on April 2nd, I got Tennessee and Wisconsin. I'm all in on J.D. Davis. I think he's a, he's that guy, pal. So uh, I, I got Gonzaga beating Kentucky, and then I got Wisconsin beating Tennessee. And I do have – this is not a hot take – I have Gonzaga beating Wisconsin, eighty-four to seventy-nine. But my hot take is that Tennessee and Wisconsin come out of those that side that that whole side of the bracket, and I think Wisconsin getting to the Natty is my that's my pick. I'm all on them this year. I, I said that earlier. I like them a lot. Um, but yeah, getting enough of free agency, man. It's been a whirlwind. Uh, something we've been waiting for for a while. It's been crazy. I think the player movement this offseason has been crazy because there's been so many high quality players available. Um. I mean, I guess we'll get into winners real quick first. I don't think this is biased because I think the entire media has been saying it. Is the Chargers have won free agency so far? They're a winner. Um, prior to free agency, even starting, and I touched on it briefly during the mock, but they traded for Khalil Mack, traded a second rounder and a sixth rounder next year for him. Um, immediately fills their edge their edge two spot. You basically have two edge one guys on that team, two All Pro pass rushers and Joey Bosa, Khalil Mack. So that was, I think, that laid the groundwork for how they approached free agency. Um, they then went and they signed J.C. Jackson. Uh, probably he not probably he was the best corner available. They signed him to a five-year, eighty-two million dollar deal. It was I thought it was a really good deal. The way they structured it was really nice. A lot of a lot of guarantees. I think it was fifty-one guaranteed. I want to say the exact number. Um, but really good signing. They needed a corner one. They needed a CB one really bad. I think that. Makes their team a lot better. Their secondary gets more versatile. They allow it allows them to slide Asante Samuel inside to the slot. <laughs> Pardon me, um, but because Brandon Staley's defense is going to be in nickel so much that your base defense might as well have three corners in it. Um, so having given Mike Davis a number one corner that he didn't have to cover the number one every week is really nice. Um, Mister Int is what people call him for that reason. He's led the league in interceptions since I believe 2017. And he actually played high school football with Derwin James, uh, all pro safety for the Chargers. I know Derwin recruited him pretty heavy to come to L.A., and I'm glad he got it done. I'm really glad they got him at 16.5 a year. Um, that was a steal, in my opinion, especially for what the market's going to be for corners I think next year. Marcus Lattimore is going to set the market. Tredavious White's going to get a new contract. Um, good offseason to sign a number one corner. And they went and they bolstered the, the interior defensive line, and they signed Sebastian Joseph Day, interior lineman from the Rams. Uh, he was on pace to be top four, top five in run stops. Uh, his run stop percentage was was still super high. He missed the back end of the season with an injury. Um, but his run stop percentage was, I believe, top four in, in the league last year um, just based on qualifying number of run snaps. And then they signed Austin Johnson, defensive tackle from the Giants. Again, another guy who ended up, he ended, I believe he ended up top five in run stop totals. Not necessarily a percentage, but totals. He ended up there. Uh, two really good players. We got him on both cheap deals. 
Uh, Joseph Day was a three years, $24 million deal, eight, $8 million a year. And Johnson was two years for $14, $7 million a year. Um, really, really good structure on them. Early, early guarantees, but the cap hits were low, which is nice. Um, Tom Telesco, another masterful job in free agency. They re-signed Dustin Hopkins. They re-signed Chase Daniel, their backup quarterback. Really like that. It's a veteran presence for Herbert in the quarterback room. Uh, everyone on the team likes him, gets along with everybody. Um, and then Dustin Hopkins was a reliable kicker last year, and they brought him in midseason. Really like that. They dropped some long snap, long snapper money. You sent me the tweet. I was out, and you sent it to me, and you're like, Tom Bomb on the Pelissero tweet. And I was like, get get out of here, bro. Get out of here. Um, no, it was funny, though. Man, I, I'm glad they signed a long snapper. The new new special teams coordinator is clearly, mean, clearly means business, and he's getting a, a guy in there who's an all-pro. Um, all-pro long snapper at that, but, hey, he's an all-pro at his craft. I'm not going to hate on that. That's impressive. Um, but, yeah, I think they've really done a good job. they got to get a right tackle um, because the team I'm about to talk about, the, the Las Vegas Raiders, as much as this pains me to say, they have one free agency as well. They went and they signed Chandler Jones, who is arguably one of the best passers in the NFL. He's second in the league in sacks in the, since 2014, only behind Aaron Donald, who is arguably the best defensive player of this era. Um they got to get a right tackle to go block that guy. Uh, they're in the really good contract for the Raiders, I thought, especially what, then what Von Miller got last night. I thought the Chandler Jones deal they got signed yesterday was a really, really good deal. Um, same money, I believe it was what six years, 120, and I want to say Chandler got four years. Oh, let me look. I have it. I can pull it up right here. I know it's 51 million guaranteed, I believe. Um, but no, I mean he. He's a freak. He's a monster. The guy's super good. Um, three years, fifty. It was three years, fifty-one million dollars. That's what it was. Super, super short deal in terms of what high-end addressers usually usually get, but super high money in those three years. Um, which is, I'd get that bag, my guy. I would do the same thing. I'd get that bag. Um, but then the Raiders made a, a corresponding move to trade pass rusher Unique Ngakwe for Rocky Sin, the corner from Indianapolis. Thought that was a really good trade for them, and they need a legit corner. They haven't had one in a long time. Casey Hayward played well in that scheme last year for Gus Bradley, but he would play. He was a top five corner in Gus Bradley's scheme when he was with us in Los Angeles. Um, Rocky sent had a really good year last year. I think I texted you about this kind of after the deal. I'll be curious to see what he does in a defense that doesn't have a loaded front seven. Um, obviously, it's good when you get Max Crosby and, and Chandler Jones across from each other, but. The linebacker play is not going to be as good. Indianapolis arguably has the best linebacker in the league in Darius Leonard and a really good front four um, on the D-line, especially interior. So I'll be curious to see what he does with a not-as-loaded defense. I still think he's a quality corner. He's talented. Um, but early in his career, he was prone to give up some big yardage. Um, but, again, it's still a good move for them. He was a pro bowler, pro bowler last year, um, along with some other lesser moves that they made, bringing back a couple guys. Um, but I thought the Chandler Jones splash move was huge for them. Really, really big winners in free agency. As much as it pains me to say that the Raiders won, um, they did. Yeah, this Raiders definitely been winners, and Chargers have been right up there. I think really our two teams have been two of the biggest winners of free agency so far. Um, as I go into a couple winners, uh, I'm going to start with my own team, just like you did with the Ravens. Slow start. Uh, the tampering period opened at 11 a.m. Central on Monday, and the Ravens didn't sign anyone until almost 24 hours later. 
they brought in probably the top safety on the market in Marcus Williams. He was the free safety for the Saints last year, really since he's been in the NFL. And the Ravens brought him in on a five-year, $70 million deal. So it averages out to 14 a year, which was a really good deal. And the Jets wanted him to lower his yearly salary, and then he did. And then he chose the Ravens. Um, he said that Eric Weddle kind of put him on the Ravens and that he would thrive in that defense and that the Ravens have one of the best organizations in the league. Um, the cap hit for year one will not be $14 million. It'll be probably more like eight. The numbers officially have not come out yet. As for other moves that the Ravens have made, they brought in Morgan Moses, who is a veteran um, right tackle. And they signed him to a three-year, $15 million deal, which averages out to five a year, but his cap, year one cap hit will be $2.5 million, which barely has an impact on the grand scheme of things when you're trying to build a roster. Um, he's a reliable veteran who has started pretty much every game over the past six years. And he's a guy that we need at right tackle, especially after how our offensive line played last year. And really the third and maybe biggest signing that the Ravens have made since free agency started was that they brought back Zadarius Smith on a four-year $35 million deal where he can earn up to $50 million total with incentives. And the deal is structured like that because he missed all of last year with an injury um, in his back. And you never know how players come back from that. And he was in Baltimore's start his career. He was a fourth-round pick in 2015. And he went and signed with the Packers on a three-year deal. Only played there two years where he was healthy, where he had 26 sacks, which is 13 sacks a year for... 10 mil is about as good as you can get. And I've been really pleased with these three signings. I think they've made the signings they need to. They've righted their wrongs in the Earl Thomas signing. And I could see a few signings coming up here soon. But other winner I have is the Houston Texans. And, yeah, they haven't made any splash moves yet. And they are a top three, a bottom three team in the league. But they're a winner because Deshaun Watson was not guilty on any of his cases, and he is now able to be traded to other teams. And the teams that have inquired about him are the Atlanta Falcons, Cleveland Browns, New Orleans Saints, and Carolina Panthers. All four of those teams have heavy interest in them, and currently as it stands, only the Saints and Falcons are still in the running. Now, what compensation you can expect for Deshaun Watson wherever he goes would be at least first three first round draft picks and a player now there could always be a second or third rounder as well um, obviously it depends what team he's going to as in terms of what compensation they will get but definitely exciting for Houston fans I think they're finally can look forward to something now that the Deshaun case is solved and they can kind of move on to a new um, a new day there in Houston with new guys on the roster, a new quarterback, a new coach in Lovey Smith. I think that defense will be improved from last year and hopefully they'll have a very good defender going to them at number three in the draft that can also help bolster that defense. But I think Houston will make some strides more likely in 2023 than 2022. But definitely exciting for them. 
Um, do you have any teams that have really lost free agency so far? Yeah, I, I mean, it's sub, it's obviously it's subjective. Um, I'll say this real quick with the Texans. They're going to be big winners when Deshaun gets traded. They're going to. It's probably going to be like I said earlier. Going to be the next few days, probably by today's Thursday. Probably by Saturday. I think we get a trade. Um, I think it's going to be Atlanta. You think it's going to be New Orleans? I think it. I think Atlanta is going to. I think I don't know. I just think they're going to have a better offer. I think their picks are better. Um, as long as they keep Kyle Pitts, it's a W for for Deshaun. I think it's a. Uh, New Orleans. It just depends on on how much players, how many players are willing to give up. Um, so we'll see. But yeah, no losers in free agency. I'm gonna say the Cardinals. Um, no pun intended. They they committed the cardinal sin of NFL roster building, and they paid the running back. Um, three years. I think it was twenty one million up to twenty four or twenty five for James Conner. Let me double check. That. I don't want to be wrong. Let me double check that real quick. But James Conner, uh, they signed him from the Steelers last offseason, I believe. Let me get this real quick. I should have pulled this up before we started, but that's okay. Um, but I'll get into why they shouldn't have paid him. You don't pay running backs. It just, I don't know, $7 million for running back. It's It's okay, I guess, but... The problem there is they're just so inconsistent, especially like James Conner. Like he was a Pro Bowler's rookie year, and he fell off and got cut, and then he had a great season last year. Um, but I just feel like with their limited cap space and limited resources that they have, and that they're gonna have pretty soon when they get this Kyler extension done, I just don't know if you can drop that much money on a running back right now, um, especially a guy who has an inconsistent history in terms of health uh, with injuries, that kind of thing. Um, they also just haven't made any good moves they lost Chandler Jones which is a huge L because he's a monster like I said and they don't tend to draft very well um so I think they're a loser there just like I said they didn't make any big signings they haven't signed anybody real good they I guess I guess they kept their own in terms of keeping you know James Conner but in terms of big name guys that are just impact players that would be recognizable they really haven't done much um they lost Christian Kirk, which I think you're going to get into in a second why it's – yeah, they lost him because they weren't going to pay him that much money. But um, still still a loss. He's an impact player for them, especially in a receiver room that looked awful when DeAndre Hopkins went out. So they've got some question marks there. I just, again, they haven't made any big moves. I don't, I don't think they've gotten better, which I think is a, is a loss in free agency. I think if you walk away from free agency, worse – um, or not better off, I think you've you've lost, and I think they've done that. I don't think they've gotten any better. I agree. Um, who are who's your I, I? In my mind, your loser is is a a winner in the fact that they probably got better, but they're a definite loser, and I think this is what makes them a, a free agency loser: is the money that they spent and 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 the way about which they spent it, and then the volume they spent it on a certain players. Yeah, so my loser is the Jacksonville Jaguars, and they're having the top pick in this year's draft, but they really haven't allocated their money to the right people or the right amount. Um, they paid Zay Jones $8 million a year. Christian Kirk could be up to $20 million a year. $21 million, sorry. Um, 
They paid tight end Evan Ingram on a one-year deal worth $9 million. Brandon Scherf for $16.5 million a year. I thought that was actually a good deal. That was smart. Yeah, that was that a good was deal, good. a three-year deal. He is a really good, consistent, reliable guard, and that will have probably a bigger impact than the three pass catchers that I just said that they signed. They also signed another lineman, uh, Tyler Shatley, for two years, $7 million. And then they signed a couple defensive tackles for totaling about $10 million a year. And they signed Darius Williams for $10 million a year, which was also a good signing. But the fact that they've put that much money into their pass catchers between Ingram, Kirk, and Zay Jones um, doesn't really do that much for them. They already have, I believe, Marvin Jones, right? Yeah, well, here's the thing. Those three pass catchers, yeah, great. You spent in con- total contract value just about $110 million, but... What have those guys ever done? Like, what is Christian? He's never gone over a thousand yards. Never gone over hundred catches. He's been a no, he's been nothing but the epitome of an average number two in in Car- in not Carolina, Arizona with the Cardinals. It's like, great, you paid the you dropped the money, but you spent it terribly. You could have got here's here's the thing. So Mike Williams and Chris Godwin both got extensions. Godwin's got done yesterday. We were gonna hit on earlier, but I want to touch on it here. They both got three years, $60 million, $20 million. That's about right for what a, what a more receiver is going to be going for. Those guys will be number ones elsewhere, but because of the other number ones that they have with them, they're probably the two two of the best wide receiver twos in the league. That's a, that's reasonable money for those guys. Christian Kirk just got four years, $72 million. That's what, $18 million a year, $17 million a year? 18, up, to up to 84 up to $21 million a year for a guy who's never gone over 1,000 yards. And you can argue about the volume, but in, in in Jacksonville being higher, but they just signed Zay Jones to a disgusting deal at eight million dollars a year, after having what half of a half of a productive season and barely being healthy for the for the Raiders, and Evan Ingram. We have, I have a buddy of mine who's a Giants fan, and he hates Evan Ingram because he has lost them games, so I, he is yelling good riddance from the top of the heavens about Evan Ingram being gone, but it just. Terrible money spent on the pass catchers. Again, I think you'll, I think you, you're starting to say it. It's like you can spend that money great. You spend it on pass catchers. That's awesome, and you're gonna get Trevor Lawrence some weapons. But you get them the wrong weapons for the wrong price. Right. I think they don't have. They still don't have a dominant number one receiver. Um, and they still could improve the O line. So, I think they could always put their money in better spots, or just put less money in the spots that they put it in. But they have that money to spend, and if they choose to do it that way, then so be it. But they could always go out there and make a couple nice moves, and maybe they won't be a loser. Yeah, still probably will be, but not as big of a loser. Um, but a few other signings around the league that happened. The Eagles re-signed their all-pro center, Jason Kelsey, to a one-year extension. Uh, I believe it was one-year $13 million, making him the highest-paid center in the league. Um, you want to talk about the Raiders? and Max Crosby. Mad Max, um, yeah, he got a four-year extension. It was four years, ninety-eight million dollars, I believe. Um, I don't think that reset the market for edge rushers. It may have on an, on an annual average basis, but that's going to be short-lived. I think Miles Garrett maybe gets an extension this offseason. Um, but I mean, that was a necessary signing. I really like that move for them. I, probably overpaid. I think I don't think he's worth a Bosa brother money or. Von Miller type money because Von Miller just got twenty million dollars a year. I don't even think Von Miller was worth that much money at this at this age. But 
I don't know if he's worth top five edge rusher money, but he got it because that's how the market works. Um, props to him for getting a bag. His story is awesome. As much as I hate the writers, his story is awesome. Um, going from being a guy who was out of football due to his, his drug abuse to being an all-pro pass rusher who just signed a, a monster, basically $100 million deal. Um, it's super cool story. Uh, for what I know, he's actually a really good dude. Um, hard to hate, even though I, I hate the Raiders. Hate's a strong word. I, I can't dislike guys like that. Um, it's really cool. At the end of the day, it's just a game. Like The human is the human. He's a really cool guy. Um, really good move for the Raiders, though. Um, and then they get, like I said earlier, get Chandler Jones to go with him is crazy. A really good pass rusher. Um, I think the biggest news out of every free agency signing that happened, I think the biggest news of the weekend, on Selection Sunday nonetheless, like, let college basketball have it today. Tom Brady announces he's unretiring. He lasted all of 42 days at home with his wife and kids. He said, man, get me out of here. So, um, <laughs> congrats to Bucks fans. Everyone else is not happy. So, I said during the mock that Kenny Pickett was the pick. I guess if that's the board, they could still go with it. They could, but. Yeah. Tom on retiring is crazy, and then right after that, they re-sign Ryan Jensen, their Pro Bowl center. Gronk's probably back, going to be playing with them again. Restructured Shaq Barrett. Yep. Oh, that's right. I forgot they restructured Shaq. They so they'll probably yeah. get some money. Yeah, I'm just pissed that Tom Brady on retiring. I was, I was so happy that he was gone and done, and the NFL was freed of his his reign. But yeah. never, nevertheless, he's back. I'm probably not, one year, though. I'm not surprised he's back. I think he's back for maybe another year, maybe two. But, I mean, he wants to go to the Super Bowl, but he chose the <laughs> He should have just gone out last year because, yeah. the, I mean, the AFC is so loaded now. Um, and the Packers are probably going to get better. The Rams are probably going to get better. So we'll see what happens in the NFC. Plus, they got the Sean Watson coming in. The guy's a monster. But Tom couldn't let, for, couldn't let the college kids have their day with March Madness. Had to steal the spotlight. Um and then Dallas Cowboys also re-signed wide receiver Michael Gallup. Five years, $62.5 million. Yeah, that was a little confusing. I just, I'm I okay with it. I saw it coming, but I didn't see it for that price, especially off a torn ACL. Yeah, well, I mean. And they already have a wide receiver one. Yeah, and I get he's a good wide receiver too. I just don't know if that's, that's the money he's worth as wide receiver too. So I guess especially off the torn ACL. I do believe it's very it's fairly incentive laden. So I don't think his guarantees are a little lower, but mm-hmm. again, Dallas continues to spend the money in the wrong places. Yeah. Like I said, don't get me wrong. I'm not complaining. They just cut Lyle Collins for some reason so they could pay Michael Gallup. Whatever. Um, so, I, again, I saw the move coming. Didn't like the price. Didn't like... I guess I'm sorry. Didn't like it for them. I am okay with it because I don't like the Cowboys. I would love to see them be terrible. I'm, I'm fine with that. Mm-hmm. But, um... And then I guess I'll, I'll get to my last deal that I'll talk about here. Super surprising, maybe the worst, the worst extension of the weekend was the Miami Dolphins extending Emmanuel Ogbo for four, four years, sixty-five million dollars. That was laughable. Thirty-two million guaranteed, by the way. So I mean, it's not like he got about the average for guarantees, but it's like, great, you just paid this guy almost what, almost annually what Chandler Jones got, and this guy's nothing compared to him. Yeah, almost. But it's it, definitely shocking. Yeah. Um, I'll let you kind of get into some other deals you want to talk about here. 
Yeah, late yesterday evening, we had Von Miller signing with the Bills. Yep. For six years, 120 million, so it averages out to 20 a year. Um, but he turns 33 in about 10 days, so it's not the smartest move. But like I said earlier, the first four years he will get 17 and a half per year. Um, I assume he doesn't play those final two years, as he will be 37, and they will be paying him 23 million. So I doubt that actually happens. And then pretty much to wrap up the free, like big free agent signings, the Bengals got some offensive line help. They signed Alex Kappa from the Bucks and Ted Karras. Um, pretty good signings. That's probably their biggest hole on the team as a whole, no pun intended. Um, and getting those two guys will really help bolster that O-line, and they could still go offensive line in the first round. So we'll see what they do from there, but definitely multiple routes they can take there in the first round. We just got a tweet from Kyle Pitts. It's about to get scary in Atlanta, dot, 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 mouth zip close emoji. Could that mean Deshaun Watson's coming in? I don't know. Also, I'm going to put this out there now. This shouldn't be a hot take, but maybe it is from the cold seat. Matt Ryan's gonna be a cult if they get Deshaun. I could see it. He's been that. I think whoever whoever gets whoever gets Deshaun, if they have a quarterback, culture taking him. Um, couple other signings. I actually want to talk about this because this is crazy. The Randy Gregory situation mm-hmm. goes to Dallas. Basically, goes gets a deal done, resigns. Yep. They agree to terms on the contract. Well, then his agent gets the gets that physical contract from the Cowboys. And they threw some BS contract language in there about, you know, if Randy does this, if Randy does that, because he's had some off the field issues in the past. Basically saying that like they're void of all money that they need to, that they owe him, something like that. If he decides to go commit some sort of crime off the field, and his agent was like, go pound, go go pound sand, like go kick rocks, we're out of here, and went to Denver for the exact same money, the exact same deal. Um, so. It first looked like it was like a shady thing from Randy Gregory. Props to his agent for telling Jerry Jones to go, you know, take take a hike, yeah. and uh, took his guy to Denver to get the same money. Don't love that he's in Denver. Yeah, it's the now pass, another AFC pass rusher. I know pass rushers that have gone from the NFC to the AFC: Chandler Jones, Zadarius Smith, and Khalil Mack. Khalil Mack. In the trade. Randy Gregory, I'm pissed. Von Miller stays in the AFC. No, or he, I guess he's back, he's back now. In the AFC, yeah. AFC now, but so pretty much the NFC is wide open. I mean, I feel like if you win 11 games, you could be a one seed in the NFC. So yeah, you're you're gonna win. You could win nine games in the NFC and get get a playoff berth, and you could win 11 games in the AFC and not get a playoff berth next year. Yeah. I'm starting the petition now to get the AFC and NFC West like switched. Like just swap them, drop the AFC West, and then if like just switch the conferences, balance out a little bit. Um, but no, Frazier was really good. Um, about what I expected, there weren't too many other really big deals that we really didn't talk about in terms of uh, guys you know about. We kind of gave our commentary on what we thought was important. Again, it's not done. We're probably gonna wrap up this conversation. I feel like next week, um, next Thursday, just due to the fact that Frazier is fluid. It's never. It, it's always going. Um, I think we'll be seeing player movement up to the draft, like just like last year with that Orlando Brown trade. We could be seeing player movement going up to the draft almost, mm-hmm. um, uh, which is nice. I, I think it's it's entertaining. It kind of gives it's going to be a very dry period from about probably April first or late March all the way to the draft, which is late April. So um, hopefully we'll see some player movement the rest of the week. The, I think the Deshaun Watson trade will start 
free agency 2.0. Again, there's a couple of big names, Teron Armstead, yep. Alan Robinson, Stephon Gilmore, a couple of guys that are really big names that haven't gone and signed anywhere yet because they're waiting on Deshaun Watson's decision. It sounds like it's going to be Atlanta for everything we're hearing right now. Kyle Pitts' tweet was deleted. <laughs> they have the same agent, him and Deshaun, so I'm pretty sure his agent said, hey, Kyle, delete that now. <laughs> That's kind of funny. Makes sense, yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, I think the second that we were talking about this earlier, second wave is going to come pretty soon when Deshaun signs or decides where he wants to go. Um, I guess, I don't know if I have any like closing stuff to say this week. We hit on a lot. Um, we did, yeah. I think when we do our second edition of the mock draft yeah. this upcoming It'll Monday, be a lot different. Well, with each team's pick, we'll kind of mention what they've done. And yeah. especially we'll probably touch on things that have happened since today mm-hmm. in the next four days because I think really this next week, like you said, it'll be action-packed with a lot more moves happening and a lot. there's a lot of highly touted free agents still available. Yeah. And I think... Really, the span of two weeks is where everything happens. And then, like you said, there will be a couple moves probably towards the draft. And obviously, the after May 1st, players that get signed don't count against the comp pick formula. So in early May, we'll have some moves as well. So really, until mid-May, really be pretty consistent with maybe not the amount of moves that are happening, but there will be moves. And there will be at least something to talk about. In the free agency front, so yeah, really the best time of year to be a NFL fan of really any team because this is where every team is pretty equal and no one really has an advantage unless yeah, I mean teams can create cap space regardless, so every team is really just trying to get as good as they can. Yeah, other than other than week one, this is the most exciting time to be an NFL fan. Um, at least for me, I, I think this is awesome. This kind of player movement's really cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm personally really excited about what the Chargers did. They got a lot better for my my own team personally, like I talked about. Um, but yeah, I think like Brett said, we're definitely going to get into during next week's mock draft. Maybe spend a little bit more time on each pick, less talking about the player the player analysis of the of the physical player that the teams are picking, but maybe what surrounds like what drives the pick, which is going to build to me what they did in free agency. Um, probably going to be another day of recording on the mock because there's going to be probably movement up till Monday when we record. Which I don't mind. I, I don't yeah. mind it at all. It gives us the most accurate information for you guys. Um, going into the mock, which I love doing. Mock drafts are my favorite. I've I mean, The mock drafts are going to be... It's going to be way different. I'm really excited for it. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess I'll, I'll wrap up real quick. Just touching on tech football. Nothing much to report about this week, but spring, spring football does start pretty soon. Um, so we'll get some maybe some clarity pretty soon on that. But there's not much there. But... Practice start pretty soon. Scrimmages, spring games in April, same week right before the draft. Really looking forward to that. So, um, but yeah, I think we will definitely see you guys on Monday with the next mock draft Monday 2.0 post free agents post free agency. Yeah, for the most part, maybe a couple different moves will be won't be made yet. But um, really looking forward to seeing you guys then. Brett, you got anything else for us? Uh, I think that's pretty much it. Yeah, like you said, we got the mock coming out on Monday, and hopefully we got. A good bit more of player movement before between now and then, which I think we will as soon as right now. So, y'all stay tuned. We appreciate you guys for tuning in twice a week and listening and really letting us just ramble about things we love to talk about. So, that's pretty much it. And we'll see you guys on Monday. Yep. See you guys then.